Hello and welcome to this, which is our fourth uh, webinar uh, podcast in the Smart Building series for 2018. Today, we are talking about data-driven decision-making for flexible workspaces, commercial workspaces. And I'm really happy to have uh, Roy Pellet from PointGrab on the, on the call. Hi, Roy. How are you? Hi, James. How are you? Good, good, thanks. Yeah, really happy that you could uh, join us for today. Um, My pleasure. Yeah, th great. And Roy is going to be going through some slides for us um, and discussing um, how we can we can use data to make better decision makings in commercial um, office and retail office spaces. So what I want to do first is um, just a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, we like to make uh, this is interactive as possible. So if there are any questions. Uh, please type them in, and I uh, will get them here, and then I'll be able to to put them those questions to Roy, or indeed, if you have questions for myself <clears throat> um, after his presentation, we have plenty of time to talk after that. Uh, also, uh, if you uh, want to listen again um, or get the slides, they will be up on not just on our website, but also on iTunes. Uh, we have the podcast will be will be up. Also, SoundCloud, there'll be the recording, and we'll put the, um, the slides on uh, YouTube and also SlideShare. So um, all of the content you're going to see um, will be available afterwards. And finally, I need to thank uh, our sponsor for today's uh, webinar, and that's Project Haystack. And they are um, an open source project for uh, semantically tagging data for Internet of Things, and that's all about simplifying um, data that we're getting from Internet of Things systems. So if you guys are interested in finding out more about what they're doing, please go to project-haystack.org. That's project-haystack.org uh, to, to um, get more information. So with that out of the way, let's, um, let's get started with the presentation. Uh, Roy, perhaps you could, you could start by just giving us an overview of yourself and also point grab um, and what, what you guys are, are doing at the moment. Okay, so thank you, James, for this introduction. Um, my name is Roy Pellet. I'm sales executive at uh, PointGrab. Um, just to give, a, again, a brief overview about PointGrab, uh, where we started and where we are at today. So PointGrab was actually established 10 years ago. Um, it started off uh, as a software house developing gesture recognition software, mainly for um, consumer electronic devices like smart TVs, uh, smartphones, tablets, and so on. But about three years ago, um, uh, we decided to take this technology and apply it to a different marketplace, a, a different product, which is what we've been doing since. Um, and our platform, CogniPoint, uh, is a smart sensing platform uh, for smart buildings. And our main focus in um, the last years have been around commercial real estate, um, mainly smart uh, office buildings. Um, the company has about 45 people, mainly located in Israel. We have a small sales office in the US, and uh, we are backed by several leaders in the industry. Uh, Philips Lighting is one of them, uh, ABB, and Flextronics as well. And our product have already been uh, rolled out. Our platform has been rolled out uh, globally, and we already have uh, several integrations with uh, application service providers and building management systems and utility or building utility systems uh, worldwide as part of these uh, projects and uh, pilots. Um, so again, a brief overview uh, about PointGrab and. What I would like to do next is give you uh, a bit of a view into how we see the market today, um, the workspace market, um, the problems facing it, and what kind of solutions uh, we bring to the market, which are based on very rich and informative data on how occupants are using this workspace. So if we, let, we take uh, an overview um, of what is happening today or on the traditional workspace, 
And I guess most of you are familiar with the numbers. So the traditional workplaces uh, usually suffer from significant underutilization. There are a lot of researchers and uh, market uh, analysis that has been done on this uh, subject. And most of these show uh, that most of the workspaces are significantly underutilized. Um, the optimistic ones usually show 30 to 40 percent underutilization. Uh, but our uh, feeling and our realistic uh, view on this is that the, the the issue is much more severe. So we're talking uh, about 50 to 60 percent underutilization. And this relies on a lot of data that we've been able to collect over time in different uh, pilots and rollouts that uh, we've done during the last few years. With that in mind, um, there is uh, currently a trend that is, is starting. Uh, it's relatively in an embryonic stage from a market perspective, but uh, a lot of these workplaces are now turning to find solutions which are more flexible, more agile. They And I will um, take this view again from different angles during the presentation, but the workplace will started off from viewing how I can uh, make the space more efficient. And, and now the use cases that are being talked about are more about employee-centric use cases. So how to make life in the workspace more convenient and more, more comfortable for the employee or for the worker. And uh, a lot of the use cases are centered around the well-being and the comfort. Uh, of the worker. Uh, we also see um, these use cases, which I talked about, about the well-being and the comfort, they are sourced from uh, the issues of productivity and the fact that with traditional workspaces, uh, you have uh, problems of collaboration, of teamwork, and an overall um, uh, feeling uh, of negativity from the employee due to the structure of the workplace, due to the availability of resources, uh, resources uh, such as meeting rooms and uh, workplaces. Uh, and this is the source for this trend to turn into more flexible and agile workspaces. So I mentioned uh, the reasons or some of the reasons and uh, also that the trend is now starting. And we hear and we see, again, from different uh, research groups and also hearing from our customers that about 60% of companies are now planning or moving towards flexible workplaces uh, or will apply some kind of agile workplace strategy by 2020, um, and which they hope will reflect on the productivity and the well-being of the employee. But in order to reach this, uh, this uh, aim or this target, most of these customers or most of these corporates don't actually know what's going on currently in their workplace. So they will uh, uh, produce different data from surveys that they do internally and where their employees would say that meeting rooms are 100% uh, taken up and it can take ages to book a meeting room or to find a place, when in actual fact, um, the meeting rooms are 30% occupied, and in these 30%, they are not fully utilized. So you will have a meeting room of 30 to 40 people, which is usually populated by up to five people. So the question is, what is actually going on in my specific workplace? And how can I get this data in order to analyze it and see how I can improve on the current situation? So these corporates or these companies, they say, well, I will move into a smart environment or I will turn my building into a smart building and I will rely on a sophisticated building management systems and sophisticated applications that will, be, will enable me to run these different use cases and applications to turn my building into a smart building. And the graph that you see in front of you is actually taken from the last memory uh, uh, 
occupancy and analytics uh, research uh, that was produced in January 2018. And you see there the abundance of applications and systems um, that are available in the market today. There are over 130 such uh, systems. But one thing that is missing or one thing that is essential for, this, uh, for these systems to run on is rich informative data. And the question is, how do I get this data or what is the underlying layer that is required in order to provide these applications with this rich data? Of course, once you provide this rich data, and the richer the data, the better, these applications and these use cases come into play and will allow the customers uh, to use this to analyze the data in a much more efficient way and then apply uh, different applications, different services to the employees in order to make the workplace a much better place. Now, there are traditional systems in the market that uh, provide some insights into the occupancy, uh, but uh, these traditional systems tend to be either not accurate enough or not provide enough rich data. And the kind of data that we are looking into is starting from the basic count of how many people are there, uh, their location, their trend on, on how they are moving about the space, where they, they tend to locate, where they tend to huddle up or collaborate, and how they tend to interact. And providing this rich data to the application layer makes it possible to apply different use cases and different services uh, which will make the life of the employee and the collaboration much more effective and worthwhile. So just to give uh, an idea of what kind of data we're looking at, uh, the graphs you're seeing here is from um, a pilot or from a survey we were running with one of our customers. Uh, we installed uh, uh, some of our sensors uh, over a designated area in their office and started collecting data on the usage of the office resources, whether it was meeting rooms uh, or whether it was specific desks. And th these are two examples out of, out of tens of reports that can be uh, issued and provided based on the data. With, with which just give you a, a, a good picture or a good insight of the kind of information and uh, the kind of analytics that you can get out of such system. So the first uh, graph on the left showed you a bar chart of uh, the meeting rooms which were uh, monitored by the point grab system. We actually monitored about uh, 10 meetings rooms for, for that customer and the data that we collected the data shown here is just from the first week uh, of data collected it was a normal working week so obviously not during a holiday or not before or after a holiday but a normal working week and the data is based on data collected during the working days and during the working hours so of course we don't relate to weekends and uh, we don't relate to out-of-work hours. So the first uh, graph on the left uh, shows you usability of meeting rooms. Um, you can see that uh, most meeting rooms were completely underutilized. Uh, the most used room, which is marked here on the CP7 uh, meeting room, is actually a meeting room for 20 people but the maximum people that used it at any one meeting was five. So only a quarter of the space was used. And on average, there was less than one uh, person uh, counted in that room during the data collection hours, which is during the working days and working hours. You see that other meeting rooms are even uh, underutilized more than that. And there were additional ones which are out of these graphs, which were practically empty throughout uh, the data collection period. Uh, we had um, specific peaks at certain times of day, and, and uh, we found out that these meeting rooms were actually used for 15-minute uh, phone calls or for eating lunch. Uh, and that gave an insight to this customer uh, into how much these uh, meeting rooms are completely underutilized, 
and uh, again um, a chance to uh, plan more efficiently and optimize their use. The second report on the right uh, looked at the open spaces on the hot desking areas uh, of the floor. Um, one of the features of the point grab sensor is that you can actually uh, divide the field of view or split the field of view into areas of interest which are down to a desk or chair level granularity. And what we did in that space is actually look at each and every desk to see its utilization um, and how busy it is uh, throughout the day and throughout the week. And you see that there are literally uh, empty desks that have been recognized. Other desks are very have very low utilization. And we could also provide an hourly graph of a specific desk. So the orange one is one of the busier desks. So you can see that during the morning hours, it has a very high occupancy rate, which goes down, obviously, towards lunchtime, then picks up again in the early afternoon, and then towards the end of the day, it drops down. And we compared it to another desk, which was literally empty throughout the day, with a very small peak around 2 p.m., where people would usually gather around either to eat or uh, to eat their lunch or for a small coffee break. But besides that, the, the desk was completely unused. So these are the kinds of insights that you can get by collecting very rich data and which can give you a, a very deep view into the utilization of the resources in the, in the workplace. So some of the key features that, that we use in our system, which allows us to flexibly monitor and collect data from the floor space. Uh, I mentioned before that one of the capabilities is to actually split uh, the field of view of the sensor into separate areas of interest. This allows you a very dynamic uh, use of the sensor in different applications, whether it's a meeting room, where you use a single area of interest to count and view the location of the people within the meeting room, or whether you are applying into a, a, applying this sensor in an open space, uh, whether it's an open space with a hot desking application or in a, just a, a free seating space, and you can uh, apply each uh, an area of interest to a desk level, to the desk level granularity or to a chair level granularity, and each such area of interest will report independently to the sensor above it. And again, that gives you the flexibility to change the setup and to apply uh, the sensor to uh, a specific use case. Another aspect is counting how many people are walking over a certain threshold. Um, we call this feature traffic line. So basically, you can apply a single or multiple traffic lines within each sensor and get uh, a count in, in both directions. So uh, one count for inbound and one count for outbound traffic. And one of the interesting use cases that is used, uh, that is applied uh, to this feature is to place a sensor in front of the washrooms and uh, commission a traffic line in front of the men's, one traffic line in front of the women's and one traffic line in front of the disabled, count how many people are walking in and out of the washroom, and then automate the facility management. So call the cleaning uh, services automatically <clears throat> once a certain threshold count has been passed. And this obviously makes the facility management uh, much more efficient. So rather than sending uh, the cleaning needlessly every two hours, you can do that based on usage. Uh, now, of course, talking about the fle flexibility, sometimes you have very large meeting rooms or auditoriums or very large open spaces where several sensors are needed in order to cover the entire space. <clears throat> so what we can provide is what we call sensor-independent areas. So, for example, in a large meeting room when you need to uh, use two sensors to cover the entire meeting room, you can actually aggregate the data from both sensors using a, a single area of interest which transcends across these sensors. And the system will obviously take care of both the aggregation 
as well as making sure there are no, no duplicates in the overlapping areas between uh, the sensors. Another application or use case can be for security measures to make sure that uh, the capacity on, on the floor doesn't pass the security regulations or the fire regulations. And then you can cover the floor space with sensors and aggregate the, the, the data from all of the sensors to give a total count on the amount of people that are located on that floor at any one time. So again, uh, I suppose, and uh, again, our inputs for customers, we are getting a lot of inputs regarding new, new use cases and new applications. Um, but again, these are two examples that again show the flexibility and what can be done uh, with, um, with the data that is supplied by the sensors. Uh, just to review some of the additional capabilities so, uh, of the point grab CogniPoint sensors, um, we went over some of these and already mentioned some of these features, <clears throat> but um, the, as a whole, the platform can provide very rich and informative data on how occupants are using the space, can provide it both in, as historical data for utilization studies or as real-time data for applications such as booking systems. And the type of data that we provide includes counting how many people are actually there, uh, their location, and the traffic lines um, that I mentioned before. The system relies on computer vision and deep learning algorithms. And as you can see from the picture on the right, <clears throat> the sensor includes a small camera. But having said that, the uh, system has been designed to be completely non-intrusive and private. Each sensor is an edge analytics device. Uh, it includes a quad-core processor within each sensor, <coughs> which performs the image processing and the analytics of every image or every frame that the camera sees. And once this frame is analyzed, it's completely discarded. So the platform doesn't store uh, or transmit any images. The only data that is transmitted from the sensors to the cloud management system and then to third-party applications is uh, what we call process data. So for example, it will include a text-like uh, file with the timestamp, the amount of people there, their XY location, uh, maybe a count if, of in and outs if you are using traffic lines, but certainly we don't store or transmit uh, any images. Um, the system actually went through severe penetration testing by a third-party independent company which tried to hack into both the sensors and the cloud management system, mainly trying to uh, export images out of it and was completely unsuccessful. And we are more than happy to share this uh, pen test report uh, with any customer or partner that uh, asks for it. Um, the field of view of each sensor can reach up to 48 square meters, which is a relatively wide field of view and includes uh, the split, which I mentioned before, of splitting the field of view into areas of interest. Uh, all of the sensors are managed by a, um, a cloud-based or private cloud uh, management system that can uh, commission and control the devices, perform health monitoring, uh, issue firmware upgrades and updates, and also provide a REST API with the data towards third-party applications. Um, the idea here is that uh, if you want to add new use cases or new features, there is no need to touch the hardware. Everything is done through remote upgrades and again managed through the cloud management system. So from a data flow perspective, um, the sensors are monitoring uh, specific spaces or specific areas, processing the data uh, on board, and then issuing this process data to the CogniPoint management system, which, as I mentioned, is responsible for the commissioning, for the health monitoring, for the updates, as well as the REST API uh, connection to third-party applications. And this is where we touch the different use cases. So these use cases can range from space management applications or facility management applications, uh, building control applications like controlling the lighting and the HVAC 
through the building management system based on the data collected or data uh, data collected and provided uh, by the sensors uh, and again the list of use cases keeps on expanding as we are discussing this uh, system with new partners and new customers touching the these use cases so we managed to group them into four major target use cases and i will start from left uh, to right so the basic and and most initial use cases that is mostly used by our customers and i also mentioned this in, at the beginning is understanding what is actually going on in my workplace so <clears throat> this is an order to apply to workplace optimization and planning use cases uh, you can rely on utilization data collected over time um, in order to improve the office layout, uh, change its layout in order to uh, facilitate uh, more space where needed um, and, use, uh, and use spaces which are underutilized in a better way. Uh, another use case is another use case is what we call dynamic workspace management, and this is based more on real-time applications. Um, so you can take the data collected by the sensors in real time and provide it to uh, booking systems for meeting rooms or for uh, hot desking applications. Um, within each sensor you can actually monitor up to 10 desks which allows you a lot of flexibility and saves you a lot in capex and opex uh, from a rollout perspective and one of the interesting use cases that we see in this application is what is called reserved no-show so there are a lot of cases when someone reserved a meeting room but didn't show up to the meeting and now the meeting room is booked uh, in the system what you can do with the real-time data is actually configure the system or the application to check whether after five minutes no one showed up you can free the meeting room uh, in the system and obviously that uh, improves the availability of the meeting rooms it improves the productivity of the people uh, and also their well-being these are the basic use cases and on top of that we see more advanced use cases starting with the smart facility management so I mentioned before, you can connect the system to building management system or building automation systems to provide on-demand ambience control uh, based on the occupancy. So controlling the ventilation or the air conditioning or the lighting uh, based on the occupancy in that specific uh, space. I mentioned some safety applications. So counting how many people are on the floor and making sure it's not more than the regulation and optimize other services which are more usage-based whether it's uh, clean, cleaning the washrooms uh, calling elevators when uh, noticing that a large group of people are moving towards the uh, elevator lobby um, improving catering services or giving a view into the cafeteria or restaurant in order that the employee can see whether there are any spaces available and how long the queue is in front of the uh, cashier. So again, some, uh, some examples of use cases and applications where these services can be applied to. And there are additional employee-centric services, which again rely on the real-time capability of the system uh, to provide the employees with insights into the availability of on-site services for example in a lot of large corporates there are internal travel agents or uh, IT services and before uh, going to to get service from these places you want to make sure that there is someone there or to check uh, how long the queue is and uh, the availability of these services so certainly data provided by um, the sensors uh, which are rolled out across the floor uh, can provide this kind of data to the relevant applications. So that's uh, an over the overview that I wanted to provide. Uh, one more thing, if, if there are any questions, James, then might be a good time uh, now to answer some of them before we move on to a short uh, demo uh, of the management system. Yeah, sure. So if anyone has any questions for Roy, please type them in. 
and um, we can handle them. Uh, Roy, I suggest you could go ahead with the um, the demo, the management system. Okay, so let me just uh, switch over to to the screen. So, um, James, do you think uh, can you see? Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> okay, so uh, what I'm showing now is the uh, CogniPoint or uh, the CogniPoint cloud management system. Um, this is a live data feed uh, from the system of our floor space here in Israel from our offices. Um, um, the floor plan you, you are seeing inc uh, includes some sensors which we installed in some of the rooms for demo purposes and for testing purposes. The green circles show the location of these um, sensors, so I can hover over the sensors and get their name, get their status, their last reporting period. I can also show the detection area of each sensor. So the gray rectangles that you are seeing now is actually the theoretical um, field of view because of obviously the sensor cannot see through walls. But in case it was an open space, this is the uh, coverage area or the detection area of that specific sensor. Uh, I mentioned the areas of interest. So the green circle, uh, the green rectangles that you are seeing now are the areas of interest uh, within each sensor. So for example, in this office, uh, you can see two desks. Uh, each of them is a separate area of interest and the count that each of them is providing to that sensor, along with an icon of the location of that person. So if I hover, hover over that person on the bottom left, you will be able to see the X, the local XY location. And of course, this kind of data can be uh, exported through the API of the system to third-party applications. Uh, here we have a meeting room. It, it's getting, uh, it's quite late in the afternoon now, so it's currently empty. There are no meetings, uh, meeting there. There is uh, one person that uh, just walked in. Um, and the count will update in one minute. The reporting interval is, is one minute. Uh, and you see another office here with uh, four desks, so four areas of interest. And we can see that only in one of the desks currently a person is sitting. So this is the kind of data uh, that the system can produce and, uh, and apply. And again, we talked about the different use cases and the different applications. Um, and this data is used, the, it's the basis ba for these kinds of applications and use cases. Mm, yeah, it's it's really great. <clears throat> it's really um, interesting to see it update in real time as well. Yeah, so you can see the movement and again, relying on this data, you can, for example, one of the use cases that is being talked about by our partners more from the application layer is wayfinding, so or finding a colleague or uh, finding a colleague or uh, checking collaboration between teams. So certainly this kind of data can help uh, in providing these uh, services. Mm. And I'm saying, obviously, this is, uh, I mean, this is an example from, from your office, but, but say for a client, how do they um, uh, put this mapping data into the, into the software? And then how do they also... Um, decide what are areas of interest? I mean, is that just part of the commissioning process that you do with them? Yes, certainly. So uh, this is part of the services that we provide or our channel partners provide to the end customer. All you need to do is import the floor plan, uh, a scaled floor plan into the system. And then during the commissioning process, which is a one-time process, you configure these areas of interest ba based on the floor plan based of the, on the plan of the furniture, based on the use cases that you want to apply. Mm -hmm. So it can be a combination, like, like you see here, it can be a combination of meeting rooms and offices, and it, or it can be a, uh, um, a, an open space or a hot desking application. So depending on the use case and the furniture layout, uh, we can help in the planning or it's something that we train our partners to do and you commission the devices, it's a very simple process. So uh, as a rule of thumb, to install a commission and commission a sensor is something between four to five minutes. Um, so the process is very easy. And in larger rollouts, what usually our, uh, our partners do 
is they pre-commission uh, the management system. So they uh, import the floor plans, they perform the planning in advance, in advance on the system. And then when it comes down to the physical installation of the sensor, you just install it, connect it to the, um, to the web or connect it to the uh, network. And then automatically the system will download the data to each and every sensor depending on its location and its setup. Yeah, great. <clears throat> I've actually got a bunch more questions for you, but um, I've also had quite a lot come in from the floor, and I, I, they should probably take precedent. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, yeah, someone asking here, um, how are the sensors powered, and how do they communicate with the cloud platform, um, if that's wirelessly, which I'm assuming, how, how does it get the information? Okay, so from... From um, there are two options. Um, from a powering perspective, it can rely either on PoE or DC, and from a connectivity perspective, again either PoE or Ethernet or uh, Wi-Fi. Um, we um, usually it's the case that um, we plan in advance which type of sensor it is, whether it's PoE based or Wi-Fi based, because part of the production process that we do is to seal the devices with the ports or protocols which are not used. So if it's a PoE device, we uh, seal or block the Wi-Fi option and vice versa. Mm -hmm. <coughs> um, there are cases where the customer doesn't want to, uh, you know, connect to the corporate network. And then you have, you can rely either on the guest Wi-Fi or you can place uh, 4G routers on the floor and connect to them through Wi-Fi. So there is uh, flexibility in the way that you can uh, provide connectivity to the sensors. There is no gateway required for the system itself. So each sensor uh, connects independently to the cloud and reports independently to the cloud. Mm, okay, and I guess, as you explained before, because it's doing a lot of edge processing, you shouldn't. there shouldn't be too much... Um... It shouldn't be so data intensive um, on the network. Yeah, so, yeah, so the bandwidth consumption is is very low. Uh, again, since we are not transmitting any images, like you mentioned, um, just to give a, 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 an example of a figure, um, a single sensor reporting every one minute interval um, and uh, monitoring four areas of interest, like four desks, uh, the bandwidth consumption will be 1.5 megabytes per day. Yeah. So very low bandwidth consumption. Yeah. Uh, another question here. Uh, what other points are being generated bes besides occupancy data? So again, from um, if the question is with regards to uh, environmental sensing or other sensing capabilities, this is something that we are exploring uh, at the moment. So in the next version of the hardware to add more sensing capabilities, uh, with regard to the current setup, uh, we're providing the count, as I mentioned. We can provide the location. <clears throat> we have the traffic lines that provide in and out uh, counting. We can provide through the system heat maps uh, if required. Um, there are a lot of hardware features uh, in the sensor itself, which are currently only hardware enabled and are uh, not being exported through the software. But for example, Bluetooth capability, but if there is a need required certainly these capabilities can be turned on mm. yeah I mean it'd be really interesting when you when you you can add as well more more sensing capability um, and I guess that's going to come in the future so that'd yeah. be really interesting for things like health monitoring and air quality which uh, a lot of people are talking about yes and, and again it very much depends on the on the demand from the market and um, and how the market will evolve because again as we see today, it's at the very early stage. So um, technology like, like this is a, a, it's a pretty disruptive technology in a very traditional market. And it takes time for the market to realize what kind of uses and what kind of application can be applied here. Uh, and you can see from an early, a very early stage, the, the type of applications that can rely on this rich data are keep on are keeping on expanding and uh, more and more are coming into play. 
So I guess as the market evolves, we will be able to provide more and more features and more and more capabilities from both the software platform as well from the hardware itself. Absolutely. I, <clears throat> I think, you know, we have to remember this is still a nascent market and yeah. it's interesting to see how it's developing. And, and um, you know, as we discussed in our report and you've shown, you know, space utilization is, is obviously um, one, uh, a, a use case that's been identified quite early by people. And um, I mean, for example, I mean, I know you don't have any, you don't want to share any specific use cases or naming people, but are there, are there customers that you have already that have that have shown what kind of payback they're getting from from these from from your from your system so uh, we're with one of the customers which is actually a relatively large deployment we are now in the process of collecting this data because obviously you need to collect this this data in order to understand mm -hmm. the ROI and what can be done with it uh, so we have um, a, a large customer uh, in the UK uh, that uh, refurbished uh, one of their buildings in, in central London. And um, uh, it's a 16th uh, floor building uh, covering 24,000 square meters of office space. And we have covered uh, basically the whole uh, floor space. So there are over 1,000 sensors installed in that building. Um, and they are um, providing data for different types of use cases. So starting from the basic uh, meeting room utilization and uh, hot desking or flexible workspace that this customer is rolling out. Um, seeing utilization in the collaboration areas and availability of public areas like, like public seating or you know so um, open sofa places or uh, collaboration pods which they have throughout the space. Uh, we added the traffic lines feature which I mentioned before uh, with the um, for automating the facility management for the washrooms. So this is a feature we added in two months for for this uh, customer. Um, they are using the sensors in the reception area to see how busy it gets at different times of day and whether you you need to add more personnel in the reception area. Um, it's rolled out in the cafeteria again as uh, to add in the future. Uh, capabilities for the employees to see how busy it is at a certain time and whether there are any tables available and how long the queue is. Um, so these are the main use cases that uh, are applied in this case. And uh, again, we will be collecting data and uh, issuing a case study based on, uh, on this specific case uh, and other cases where we are rolled out, uh, even though in uh, smaller scales, uh, you see that with the pilot that uh, I showed before, it was a, a rollout of just uh, 25 sensors, but the type of data and the amount of data that you can get just from uh, one week of uh, utilization. Yeah, it's really fascinating, isn't it? Especially, I think, some of the applications around facilities management. <clears throat> There's clearly a lot of opportunities there to, to optimize um, costs around, you know, operating buildings. So. So it'd be great to see see that that information on ROI when you when you when you release it. Sure. Uh, some I've got a bunch of questions come in, so I better get through them. <laughs> okay. Uh, why um, is there a concern for using video? And if you can't use the video, how do you know people are gathering in an area um, for a coffee break? I, I, I think we'll probably go back to what you you were talking about it being anomalized. So maybe you could explain about how you anomalize the data um yes yeah, so so, so like, well uh, first of all from regarding the the concern of privacy um it, it's a question that we get a lot so once a camera is involved there is usually a question about privacy so uh the gdpr uh, laws which are coming in um and there are there are countries where this is more of a concern than others <clears throat> uh, uh, but again, this is an, um, uh, a subject which needs to be addressed. Mm -hmm. uh, from a design perspective uh, of the system, this was almost the first requirement that uh, the system was designed according to. Um, so it was always in mind that the data needs, needs to be anonymized. Again, because you are working in, a, it's installed in a workplace, 
people are aware of uh, of uh, privacy issues and uh, cameras being installed uh, around and um, the way that we handle it is like i mentioned before um, in order not to transmit or to send any images or any videos we had to turn the sensors into the into an edge analytics device so um, that's and that's probably the the uh, the major advantage here and the complexity in the system is actually to uh, fit such capabilities uh, image processing and deep learning algorithms in such into a such uh, in such a small uh, form factor right so, so kind of my understanding is that you you take that video image frame by frame and then you're able to determine from that image where somebody is um, and then and then you don't use that image any any further it's deleted and then what you're doing is then per frame you update that so you know where a person is um, and that yeah to give to give a, a more high level um, uh, explanation of how this is being done the deep learning algorithms that we use uh, um, are there to identify or to distinguish between a human being and a static object mm. yeah uh, so, for example, if you have a person sitting next to an empty chair, I want to only count that person and not, not to count the empty chair. And the deep learning algorithm, again, in a very high level, uh, the deep learning algorithms are doing that based on the shape. So we are trying to recognize the head, the shoulders, the hands of a person sitting down, or if uh, he's standing up, then the meeting uh, point between the legs and the floor. Um, and the, the way that we do that is we train the system um, to recognize different situations or different scenarios of human beings uh, we actually have a very close to our office a very large hangar which is like a film studio where we basically filmed or videos uh, videoed uh, hundreds and thousands of movies and then run them through the system and taught the system uh, what human beings are and and improve the accuracy of recognizing them and this is actually how we benchmark our system from an accuracy perspective mm -hmm. uh, our stated accuracy is above 95 percent and this relates to the uh, algorithm's capability to recognize a human being in different situations right yeah and and again everything is done on the sensor itself yeah and then what what is transmitted back is basically the coordinates of of that anonymized uh, person. It's, it's first of all yeah it's first of all the count so knowing how many people are actually there based on this uh, identification by the algorithm and again their xy location or the local xy location of each and every person yeah uh, another question here uh, for wayfinding or finding a colleague that would imply some that some of the data is not anonymous but it's, it's my understanding that you this isn't for finding a colleague it's just more, more for you can use you can use the data uh, and combine it with additional data in order to provide this uh, this this kind of application okay uh, but again of course there are uh, privacy issues here and in most of the applications that provide this uh, wayfinding or colleague finding uh, capability it's a uh, it's a feature which can be turned on or off depending on the requirement of the customer. Right. So, so again, we are, we are a data enabling uh, platform for such applications. Yeah, they, they would have to opt into that kind of system. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, how are the sensors that monitor multiple locations uh, calibrated? Uh, is there an image that is displayed and areas are, def are defined based on that image? Um, does that refer to the uh, independent or uh, the independent area of interest which transcends several sensors? Is is that yes, I, I think, my, my yeah. when, when depending on so for example the sensor that monitors multiple uh, locations. So so yes. Okay, so you mean uh, multiple areas of interest? Yeah. Uh, like in a hot desking application. So uh, what was the question again? Um, how how is that collab, uh, calibrated? How is the sensor calibrated to do that? So again, it's an inherent part of the algorithms of the software. So once we commission these areas areas of interest, 
we commission them according to the field of view of that sensor. Each sensor obviously knows its XY location and we build these areas of interest. Each area of interest has their own kind of XY coordinates. And based on that, they report back to the sensor. Okay, got it. Uh, how is this sensor technology utilizing Project Haystack? Well, I'm not sure um, if it is. Project Haystack are the sponsor of our um, of our uh, webinars for the whole for the whole year, uh, but but it certainly could be used. Um, Project Haystack essentially allows you to semantically tag um, data coming from different um, systems, and then, and then the idea being that it's um, easier to understand and easier to use uh, for other, I, I, other systems. So yeah, I would uh, again we are. I, I think that Project Haystack is one layer above. So yeah. Project Haystack can digest the data that we provide and then tag it in whichever way yeah exactly uh, and it's it's an open source thing so someone can go in and and uh for example i guess they could use your api to get the data out and then they could tag it themselves so that yeah and again to, uh, okay, yeah. to use yeah and this is our mode of work so uh, we can we provide our rest api to our uh, partners and to our technology partners in order to integrate into their system. So in very much the same way, it can be done with uh, Project Haystack. Yeah, absolutely. What, what, is, um, what have you seen as, as the sort of most popular third-party applications um, that people are, that are interested in using the data that they're getting from these sensors? So, so again, um, um, since it's an early stage, so it, it will usually start from collecting utilization data and, run, and then running it through different analytics or BI tools to understand what is actually going on currently. Um, there are customers which are at a more advanced stage. Um, so, for example, if they decide in advance, I want the smartest building in the world with the smartest applications, then they would move also towards real-time applications like uh, hot desking and uh, like the employee-centric services that I mentioned and connecting it to the building management system to control the HVAC and lighting based on the occupancy. Um, but it will usually start initially from a utilization uh, study, so to understand what's going on across the floor space. And then based on that, they will add more and more use cases as, or more advanced use cases um, as you move along. Sure. What types of automated decision-making applications have been implemented using this technology? So uh, again, I mentioned before uh, automating the facility management services. So yeah. whether it's, uh, I mentioned the cleaning, it can be catering uh, uh, as well. Um, you can also look at uh, booking systems as a kind of automated service. <clears throat> so. Uh, um, booking a, a, a meeting room based on whether it's currently occupied or not, mm. or uh, creating ad hoc um, ad hoc meetings, um, freeing up in the system uh, reserved meeting rooms with no shows. That's another uh, automated use case that you can think about. Um, in the case of hot desking, you have in many cases uh, like a large kiosk in front of the floor. The person can come in and see in real time uh, which uh, desks are available, uh, and then according to that, book a place and go and sit at that at that desk. Um, so these types of automated services. Yeah, I'm assuming it could be used for things like um, controlling the lights, right? So, for example, you know someone's not in the room, you could you could turn exactly. off exactly, exactly, and then that, again, that relates to the building management or building automation platforms. Uh, depending how, uh, what capabilities they inherently have in order to automate uh, this. Right, and there's actually a question about that here. Um, how does, how would your system communicate via the building automation system? So, for example, does it does it support BACnet? No. So again, it will rely on the data that we provide through the REST API, and then the applications will digest the data and make the automatic decision making based on the data. Okay, so it, it's not that like you control uh, these systems through through our application. It's the applications taking decision based on the data. Yes, so so you're providing the the data from the the occupancy, and then it's up to that separate system to do something to do something. Uh, with exactly, it. exactly, exactly. 
Uh, and is this hardware and software available for purchase right now? Well, yes, yes, it's a completely. Uh, it's um, uh, we have a um, uh, full working production line, um, manufacturing uh, thousand sensors over, almost every month. Uh, we can, of course, increase the capacity once demand goes up. Um, and it's a general availability product, yes, for sure. Um, how do you um, charge a customer? Is this a, a software as a service? So like a it, it's, a, it's a combination of, um, of two parts. So you have a one-time cost for the sensor, and you have a recurrent price for the data packages, depending on the use case. So if it's a single area of interest, it's a more basic package because it's a lower data. If it's a multiple areas of interest, it's a more advanced package because obviously there is more data be being uh, transmitted from the sensors to the cloud management system. Mm -hmm. But this is the structure. So a combination of a one-time cost for the sensor and, and recurrent uh, data packages. For, the, for, for managing that data and the software on, on your cloud, on the cloud. Exactly, yeah. And um, how have you seen sort of take up with this? Are there, are there specific um, types of companies that are coming to you asking for these types of solutions? Where have you seen the, you know, the, the, the most interest in these type of occupancy systems? So um, it's a good question because, first of all, our go-to-market strategy um, is to work through channel partners. So um, we would... Uh, again, theoretically, not engage with the end customer, but rather work through channel partners, which are usually real estate service providers or facility management companies, or they can be also the application service providers who, <coughs> sorry, want to be the one-stop shop in front of their customers. Um, but, you know, uh, reality is stronger than the theory. Um, so we do have engagement with the end customer. And it's a variety of industries. So it can be uh, accounting and consulting firms. It can be banks. It can be high-tech uh, you know, or software corporates uh, that have large buildings or large campuses <coughs> and want to make it more efficient. Um, the accounting and consulting side uh, of the businesses, <coughs> again, they have more flexible and agile type of work. So. It makes more sense to them from a hot desking uh, perspective, but it's really a, um, a wide variety of, of, uh, of customers. Yeah, um, yeah, and it's, it's centered around knowledge-based industries, I'm sure, because these are... Uh, uh, yeah, we have customers in the automotive industry, for example. Uh, so it's a, it's a very wide combination. Usually, if you look at the... Uh, characteristics uh, of, of these customers they tend to be very large corporates uh, that have uh, they are um, usually take up uh, complete buildings or they have several buildings in an area or globally um, or they are tenants which take up several floors in a you know in a multi-story building right right can we just move to the last slide please on the yeah sure um, yeah, and I've, I guess I just wanted to, to finish it off now. We've come to the end of our hour. Um, obviously, say thank you, Roy. Um, if, if people want more information, where, how can they get hold of you or where is the best point of contact at PointGrep? So, so uh, they can reach out to me directly to my email. So it's uh, Roy P. Roy is R-O-E-E and P like Pelled at uh, pointgrab.com. They can also reach us through the info box, which is info at pointgrab.com and um, it will reach me as well um, and uh, you can share my contact details afterwards with uh, the attendees okay will do and um, thanks uh, for, for, for taking part today really appreciate you uh, taking the time to show us all uh, my pleasure um, and as you mentioned right in the uh, presentation uh, we have done a um, significant bit of work on occupancy analytics earlier this year uh, so if anyone wants to check that out, please go to our website. You can you can see we've written a lot about that over the last few months. And um, next webinar is going to be uh, looking at creating uh, digital twins of buildings. And that's going to be with building IQ and Cypress and Virus Systems. So just um, 
stay uh, tuned to our website um, f- for more information on, on the date for that, but that's going to be sometime in May. And really just remains for me to say also thanks to Project Haystack for sponsoring us today. Uh, if you want more information about what they're doing, go to project-haystack.org. Uh, yeah, thanks everybody for listening. And um, as I said before, we'll, this has been recorded and we'll make sure it goes up on, uh, on our website, also uh, YouTube and SoundCloud. Um, and uh, you'll be able to also even get it through iTunes as well. Thanks a lot for listening. Appreciate it. Bye-bye.